It is so good to see you all on this Father's Day Sunday morning. Uh, you know that we uh, in the life group, Sarah and I sat in in the uh, in the fellowship hall. By the way, let me re- let me remind you about life groups. We do life groups from nine forty five to uh, uh, to ten thirty every Sunday morning. There's uh, and I'm speaking mostly to adults in the room this morning. So there's uh, there is a traditional uh, Bible study life group for adults, and then there's there's a topical life group that where we uh, uh, Barry leads the Bible group, and then in the topical life group, uh, Miss Alicia is the instigator of conversation. And this morning, rightfully so, we talked about dads, we talked about fathers, and what it means to be a father, and what impact our fathers has had on our life. There's teen life groups, there's children's life group. If you have not been, uh, if you've not been part of a life group yet, come and be part of a life group at 945 on any Sunday morning. We have great time. We have great conversation. I'm really, I really very much, I, I glean from it. I enjoy it. I'm, a, I am blessed by it. And I know that you will be too. And then, of course, we lead right into worship service. Now, this morning in our life group, as I've already mentioned, Alicia led us into some conversations uh, about dads and about fatherhood. We talked about our heavenly father. Uh, we talked about uh, real life situations that happen are happens and are happening all around us. Uh, I, I tell them just about any given Sunday morning, it seems like in our life group, they completely dissect and disassemble my Sunday morning message uh, more times than not. They did that this morning. In fact, we, we we finished up in life group and I said, you know what, I've got to run in here and I've got about seven minutes. i got to go in here and come up with another message because y'all have already took my message this morning. But that's not true. Well, it is true, but I'm not going to preach another message. I'm going to share with you what the Lord has given me for this Father's Day. Actually, I I I, I put together this message. I wrote this message, if you would. Believe it or not, Alicia, I wrote this message back in 2008. You know, 2008. If any of you all can count and do addition and subtraction and all that stuff, if you if you if you can't do it in your head, uh, if you have to take off your 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 shoes to you know use your toes and all like that, hopefully you know you washed your feet before you got here, you know, and all like that. So that, that'll all be good. Speaking of feet. Look what Miss Sarah got me for Father's Day. Hey dudes, I am in the hip, cutting edge movement now. I got me some hey dudes. I'm preaching in the hey dudes these morning. These things make your feet light. Ten advantages, ten advantages of being a man. Ten advantages of being a man. The first one is your phone conversations never last over five minutes. And sometimes that's not exactly true. When you're a man and you're going on a vacation of seven days or less, you only have to pack one suitcase and a small one at that. When you're a man, you can channel surf the TV with your remote control and you don't stop at every scene because you just saw somebody kissing or crying. If you're like me, I prefer gunshots, you know. 
When you're a man, the closet in the spare bedroom is big enough for all of your clothes and shoes. When you're a man, your vehicle is low maintenance because you allow an occasional rain shower to wash your pickup truck off. When you're a man, you never have to worry about having a run in your hosiery. When you're a man and you go three or four days without shaving, people just assume you're growing a beard. When you're a man, gray hair, baldness, and wrinkles only add to your character. If another guy comes into church with the same outfit on and you're a man... You have just become lifelong buddies. And you're not enemies. When you're a man, an occasional belch is practically expected to happen. Yeah. Being a man is very unique. Did any of you all have any idea of all at all? Of what day of the year the most phone calls and text messages and etc. are made. The largest day of phoning and texting and communicating emails. The largest day of the year. Well I can tell you the day that it's not. It's not Father's Day. It's Mother's Day. Father's Day is a little bit of lackluster when compared to Mother's Day. Typically, every Mother's Day, every church service around the country is to salute mothers. But on Father's Day, let me tell you what happens, and I'm very serious about this. What happens on Father's Day? Mother's Day, we give away flowers, and we have nice little gifts to give the ladies, and especially the moms, and, and we preach a message, and, and, and I apologize, you know, for even some of our negligence here this morning. On Mother's Day, y'all remember we had the little photo op thing out front, and all like that for moms, and we put on the, we put on the dog, as we say, for, for Mother's Day. But on Father's Day, most messages, and I, and, and I'm very serious when I say this. You research most Father's Day messages and you look and you go back and watch YouTube videos of church services and things like that. What are you going to find for Father's Day? Most Father's Day messages are actually about a preacher getting up and preaching on the dads and on men that they should get their jobs right and no longer be deadbeat dads. I'm being serious. That's what happens on Father's Day. You see, and part of that is because the American society seems to see fathers as more of an expendable part of the family unit. Now, fathers certainly have their role to play, as do the mothers, and I think they're to be respected, and I think rightfully so, the father's role should and will complement the mother's role when done correctly. 
Now, I, I understand. Listen, I get it. 40% of the fathers in America right now are shunning their responsibility. Actually, it's probably more than 40% because the figures that here are probably a little bit dated. But 40% or more of the fathers in America do shun their responsibilities. But what that means is we, we tend to look at that, but what we, we tend to forget is that there are 60% roughly of fathers that are keeping their responsibilities. And they are getting the job done, living up to the manly part, the manly responsibility that God has given them as dads and uh, and even as husbands, if you would. So I hope to change that, 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 that. I hope to change that this morning that dads, we're not here to beat you up. Men folks, we're not here to beat you up. I, that's not my intentions. Well, I, I is one if you haven't noticed and I don't want to feel any pain myself necessarily this morning, but I'm here to hopefully admonish us as men and dads in this room this morning and, and, and for those of you that are, of, uh, that are females in this room, I pray and I hope that it brings you to a greater appreciation of who the men are in your life, whether they're your father, your husband, you know, your brother or, or even, even your son. I want you, if you would, to go in your Bible, uh, turn over to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, Jesus, uh, is, is taking a teaching moment to teach about the role of a dad or a father as we call it. Now, when I was growing up, uh, my mom, as crazy as it may, may sound, my mom, I can remember asking my mom, Mama, why don't we call Daddy, why don't we call him Father? If y'all remember some of those movies, and I'm dating myself really bad right now. Do you, some of y'all remember that, that TV show, My Three Sons? Had Mr. French, the butler. Y'all remember that? Buffy and Jody and, and, and all of those different characters and all that. But, but in a lot of those TV shows, they called, the, the dad of the house was called father. Now see, I was more like, uh, uh the rifleman. And again, I realize I'm dating myself for you younger ones. The rifleman, uh, if you ever watched the rifleman, uh, Lucas McCain's son, Mark, he called his daddy Paul. Hey, Paul, you know, well, my, my mom, I asked my mom one time, I remember this very distinctly. I said, Mama, why didn't we call, why don't we call our, why don't we call daddy? Why don't we ever call him father? She said, son, because she said, uh, because your father is in heaven. She said, who you have here on earth is your daddy. Now, my, my mother wasn't a Christian, at least in that season of life. But, but, so that was sort of instilled in me. So, so when I say father, you know, I tend to think of it as being a, a hierarchy, if you would, of the, the calling or the appointment. But, but, but Jesus in Luke chapter 11, as, as Jesus is given direction here to, to his, to his disciples, he's, he, uh, actually uses that word father, father, to bring into life, to bring into existence, to nurture. And Jesus said, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him?
So we see that Jesus actually uses the illustration of an earthly father to prove a heavenly point. Now what happens when we begin to, to look at this scripture, what I begin to look at is that, that we find that Jesus is somewhat disputing this whole mindset of the Al Bundy syndrome that I think that we carry in the world today. Now, I never did watch this, these Al Bundy shows. I know who he is and, and I know enough about the show. I've seen a little bit of them to, 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 to know what they were about. But, but I even think back a little bit further and I think about to the All in the Family and Archie Bunker and, and Archie Bunker was portrayed as some bigoted, ignorant person that was the, supposed to be the head of his household, uh, and, uh, and he tried to operate it with, out of ignorance. Al Bundy was some kind of, uh, of ignorant hick shoe salesman, if you would, that was dumber than a box of rocks, and he didn't know a whole lot. You find that sometimes in the, in the world of Hollywood, in the portrayal that has been given or been made of the dad of the household, so much in society, you, you find it portrayed as somebody that's ignorant and somebody that doesn't know a whole lot and he's the dumbest person in the household. But I have news for you. I don't, I don't think that that's the way it is at all. I, I, I don't think that that's what God intended. I don't think He intended for us to, uh, even if you watch these commercials on TV, they cast the father as some kind of family idiot, if you would. I don't think that's a, that's it at all. Uh, I think that we need to come to a realization that the God created the man. He created the role of father in a unique perspective, different than the mom, completely different in so many ways. So we are charged, fathers and dads, husbands, we are charged, if you would, with an extremely important vital role in the family. If you go to Paul's writing in Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3, we find that, that Paul actually designated the dad, the father, the male, if you would, has the authoritative person of the family. Ladies, that doesn't mean that you're not important. Ladies, that doesn't mean that you don't have a role to play. Ladies, that doesn't mean that you're looked down upon. But what it does mean, again, I want to emphasize, is what it does mean that, that dads are to complement the role of the, the, the moms, the husbands are to complement the role of the wives, men are to complement the role of the, of the ladies, if you would. We have a very important role to play, and rightfully so. In fact, what Colossians chapter 3 tells tells us in verses 18 and 20, Paul said this. He said, wives, submit yourselves to your husband as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now that must have been a very, it must have been a very uh, prominent circumstance or situation because when we begin to read in 1 Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul also addresses the uh, the circumstance of, of role modeling, if you would, or fatherhood in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 because then there he's urged to manage, the father is managed to his children well and his household is also to be managed in a respectable manner. So there's great responsibility that's given to the dads. There's great 
responsibility that likewise is given to the mothers. But the father is charged with the responsibility of looking after the best interests of his family financially, spiritually, and socially. So dads have a tremendous role to fill. But in the fill, in the fulfillment of that role, I want you to understand that as much as fatherhood is God-given, it's, it's an instinct that's enforced by its word. But being a father, being a dad, being a husband, being the male has a very unique responsibility. You see, the father's love is very unique, but it's no less love than the mother's love. The role of the dad, the role of the man is not as emotional as that of the woman. Uh, I read, I read this story about that it said that one night this, this young couple, young couple, young parents, the young wife found her husband standing in the, the, in the room of their baby, the nurseries, in the nursery room, if you would. And as she, as the dad was standing in that room, he was just standing, uh, uh, looking over the crib where their, their new baby lie. And silently, without his knowing, this mom watched her husband, this new dad, looking over the crib of their sleeping infant. She saw on his face emotions of disbelief, emotions of doubt. Emotions of delight and amazement, enchantment, skepticism, if you were, all appeared on this man's face. He was standing and he was, as he was standing and he was just shaking his head in amazement. He just declared under the whisper of his voice, this is totally amazing. Smiling ear to ear. Touched by this unusual display of emotion in her husband's eyes. This young wife, this young mom, she walks up behind her husband and she wraps her arms around him and she embraces him and she whispers in his ear, it is truly amazing, isn't it? He said, you know it. He said, this is this totally, this blows my mind. How in the world can Walmart design and sell a crib like this for only forty nine ninety five. You see, men have a different perspective in life than women have. They they have a different outlook in life than women had in so many ways. Uh, women, uh, women, women. They 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 put band aids on and, and 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 they they do things for those children so much differently than men. Men are more about bear hugs and high fives and and at the end of the day they're 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 more about saying ah oh, come on get up you don't be all right it'll quit bleeding after a while. Men men are more about things like that. Well, women are more about the hugs and kisses. But yet, both of those displays of love are exactly that. There are displays of love. I want to share with you, if you would, just for the next few minutes, a few things about dad's love on display. The first one I want to, uh, I want to share with you is the provider. It, as a provider, it's the instinct of the male to provide for the household. It's the instinct of the male. It's the inst- you know, growing up, growing up, 
and I'm not, I'm not against women working. Don't misunderstand me. But growing up, my mom didn't work. My mom, when we were, when we were younger kids, my mom stayed at home. My dad, I found some, you know, my, most of you know, my dad passed away January in, uh, in January of 2021. And when my dad, when my dad passed away and we've gone through a lot of the house and, and I found check stubs, I found his pay stubs where my, when I, in the years when we were small, my sister and I were small kids, I found pay stubs where my dad, I'm assuming it's for one week, my my dad would work all week long and and he would work all week long for a gross pay of $40 a week. And my mom stayed home. He said, yeah, but things cost a whole lot less then. Sure they did, but they weren't that much less. You know, but, but we, we learned, we learned to live off what we had, but my dad got up every morning and went to work, and I can remember my dad, uh, after he got off work from the shirt factory that he worked in, he would go out and, and whitewash fence and paint fence and paint roofs, and he would do what he had to do to, to provide for us as a family, and, and it was his instinct. He never asked anybody, I don't ever remember my mom asking him to do it, it was just his instinct. When Peter asked the Lord how they were going to pay their taxes, Jesus told him, you just go take a coin from the fish's mouth. And, and what this does, it, it, it teaches us that, that God is about our provision. And that doesn't say that God condones laziness, but, but because I don't think he does, to be honest with you about it. But what God does, God is our provider. If we will work hard, if we will endeavor, if we will seek out, then God will provide whatever we need in our life. But it is the instinct of the dad to go out and to work and then and have a dependency upon God to provide. When God fed a multitude of people, probably more like 15,000, we call it 5,000, but the Bible says it was 5,000 men plus women and children. So it could have easily been 15,000 people with just a few, few loaves of bread and a few little fish. He provided the example of the Father will provide all the needs for His family. He provides for everything. And He still commanded get dads to do that today. And the majority of dads, in spite of what we believe, the majority of dads are, even if it's a slim majority, are still providing for their children today because it's a instinct and it's a God-given responsibility. As provider, 1 Timothy 5 and 8, God said this, and I believe we know this word, if anyone does not provide for his family, uh, then he's denied the faith, faith and he's worse than an infidel. So I think that there's still a, there is still a spiritual and there is still a biblical driving force that it will cause man, man, the male species, to be the provider for his family. The second thing that happens in love is the, the role of the dad. It's an instinct there to serve as mentor. It's God's example. God's example. God has always provided for His children. But He never, it never replaces the value of spending quality time with His children. Listen. Men as living examples, men are the, some of the best educators for their children, men and women. Now you may be in this room and you may be a mom and you may be a single mom and, and, and listen, that's nothing to be ashamed of at all. That's nothing to be ashamed of at all. But, but yet, but yet there is something to be said about the dads teaching the sons. There's something to be said about the, the, the moms teaching the, the girls. 
There's something to be said. Did you know this? In, in the sense of, of, of Christianity, in the sense of church. Do you know, you know, if, if children come to church, there's, uh, you know, you know, the days of bus ministry are sort of behind us. There's still some of it goes on. But if your children come to church, there's probably not a great big chance that the rest of the family will come. If the moms comes to church, the chances increase, but there's not overwhelming. That, that the mom and the children will come to church. But do you know this? That in the church world in America, if a dad chooses to be the leader of his house and a dad will come to church and bring his family to church, then the, 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 the opportunity of that church, of that family coming to church and remaining church just escalates tremendously. It goes up into the 60, 80%. If, when the dad fulfills the role, that role model, that mentorship in the family, then the opportunity for the family to follow continues. That Thank God there are still dads that are choosing to be dad. There are still dads that are fulfilling that role model in their families. I talked to a pastor just this past week during camp meeting, and, and this pastor, I was, I was talking to them, and they said, you know what, she... It's a lady pastor, and she said, you know, sadly enough, she said, I have zero men in my church. Zero men in my church. She said, I'm praying, and I'm asking for God to raise men up. And thank God we have great men in this church. And and those men are serving the roles of mentors. They're setting forth the examples for their children. Men also uh, serve in the out of God's... God's love through dad on display is setting the role, the, uh, the role of disciplinarian. And in setting that role of the disciplinarian, let me tell you something. Uh, in that, that doesn't make us popular. Yeah. It doesn't make us popular. It doesn't make us popular parents when we correct our kids. It doesn't make us popular. Now, and listen, and it's not quite, when you come into grandparenthood, you can get by with a little bit more, okay? You know, you know, when you come into grandparenthood, that's when, that's when you, you your grandkids, you buy them those shirts that said, uh, that say, take me to Nina's house or take me to Papa's house or something like that. Because as grandparents, we seem to get by with a little bit more. But, but, but the role of dad, the role of dad is the role of disciplinarian. The role of dad is that role to to bring direction. It, and it goes hand in hand with mentorship. It goes hand in hand with leading and guiding and directing the children. The role of disciplinarian doesn't always make us popular. You know, we can be popular in so many ways with our kids. I can be popular as pastor. But being popular is probably not necessarily what I'm called to do or called to be. Somebody said, uh, Dr. Tom Rayner in particular, I've heard say this many times. He said, if you want to be popular, you need to sell ice cream or give ice cream away. You know, we can, we can do things and be popular with our kids, with our grandkids, but being a disciplinarian is not always what makes us popular. When we begin to think about Solomon, Solomon is the son, and Solomon teaches us that the son who is loved will always be disciplined. So God brings us into this role of fatherhood, and it's a role of being a discipline. And in that, dads, it means that sometimes we're not going to be really popular. 
But children raised in a discipline of a loving father is statistically proven to have greater discipline as they come into adulthood. Oftentimes we look around and, and we're critical of the generation that we live in. I am. We're critical of the generation we live in. And we'll say, I can't believe what this world's coming to. I can't believe what this, these generations, you know, I, you know, I'm, I, hey, I, I, listen, I know I don't look it, but I am 60 years old. And, and, and the reality of it is there's a generation and I, I one whole and another half of gener, of a generation that's coming up behind me now. And I can look around and I say, I really just don't get it. I really just don't understand. But what it comes down to really is the generations that are coming up behind us are no more than the product that we've produced. And the same will hold true for you, those of you that are younger in this room. So as that role of father, it's, it's the love that God uses through the dad as the disciplinarian. He's the protector. Now there may be. There may be some pistol-packing mamas in this room, okay? Listen, we are in southern West Virginia and on the fringe of southwestern Virginia. There are probably more bullets tucked under a belt in this room than we can shake a stick at. Okay? There's probably more bullets out there under the seat of your truck or your your car than we can shake a stick at. And it's not all about guns and roses, okay? But the, but the reality of it is, there's an instinct given to the male, to the man, to the dad, the husband. There is an instinct given to be the protector. Most of the time when we hear that bump in the night, I'll say to Sarah, get up and go see what that was. No, 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 I, I, I don't, I don't do that. I don't do that. Actually, nowadays, I just pick up my phone and I see what the camera's showing out front and out back to see what's going on. But it's the instinct, it's the instinct of the protector, it's the instinct of the man, and it's God's love shown through the man to be the protector of his home, of his household, and of his family. It's not, it's not the instinct that is given to the woman, if you would. I'm not going to get through. I'm going to have to cut some of this out so I can let you go home early. Or on time at least. But dads will place themselves in trouble. And I want you to think about these things I'm talking about. Dad places himself in the way of trouble. A man will place himself in the way of trouble to protect his family. In fact, Jesus applied that principle when he says the greatest love possible for a man to have is to lay down his life to save us. us we are his children. The dad is the protector. He's the protector. And he will take care of us. He's also the spiritual leader. I've already touched on this. I got way ahead of myself. But if the dad will be the spiritual leader of the house, the likelihood of the whole house to be follow in the spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that you as the dad, you can... Cause your whole family, if you're saved, your whole... You know, when Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You and you only can serve the Lord. But statistics tell us that if you and I as dads, as father, or as the male role in our house, the husband, if we will have spiritual disciplines, if we will spiritually have a commitment unto the Lord, 
then so will our house. Because we are the... We are the larger influence. We are the stronger influence in the household. Even if you're the lady of the house is the type A personality, it is still the role of the dad. And the dad's love is demonstrated through his leadership in spirituality. A spiritual dad will do his best to lead. He will do his best to lead his children in the way. In fact... 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, here's what Paul says about that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 11 through 13. As a father deals with his own children, encouraging comfort and urging you to live worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. Understand this with me. Dads are very important people in the world. Dads are very important people in the home. Dads are very important people. And I can, I could bash that, that uh, more than 41%, uh, more than 40% of dads who are not keeping their responsi- their God-given responsibility. I could stand here and I could bash those 40% that haven't, haven't taken care of their children. They haven't, they haven't, they, they, some of them even forsake their children. They don't even know where their children are at. Uh, I, I could, I could bash those, but, but I'm not going to bash those this morning. But what I am here to say is thank God for the, there are still men that are stepping up to the plate and they're being dads, they're being godly men, they're being godly husbands, they're being godly dads and they're watching over the responsibility that God has given them. They're providing, they're being mentors, they're being disciplinarians, they're being protectors and they're being spiritual leaders. I thank God for men that are still stepping up to the plate and doing and keeping the responsibilities at what God has given them to do. Can you give those dads a hand for serving? And serving their families well. I commend you dads. But I want to conclude this morning with talking to you about a heavenly father. You see, because all of those things, all of those things, I just, all of those qualities, if you would, those qualities of love that I just shared with you about an earthly dad... They all are possessed by your heavenly Father. You see, because because if if we ever wonder, and uh, somebody was, I heard somebody just a few weeks ago that was talking about. They said uh, it was a young man I was talking to. He said, "Pray for me." He said, "I'm about my wife and I are about to have our first child." He said, "It's." He said, "And I am really, honestly." He said, "I am really scared." He said, I don't know how I'm going to do this. He said, I don't know what I'm supposed, supposed to be doing. I, I don't know if I can handle this or not. He said, he said, I'm excited, but he said, I am scared to death. I said, you know, the greatest example of a father find in Jesus Christ. He is our heavenly father. 
Because as He is our Heavenly Father, everything that we need, everything that we, every example that, that I've named before you is set forth in the man of Jesus Christ. He is our provider. I will lack not in, in Him. He has everything I need. He has everything I want, but He's smart enough not to give me everything I want. But He, he will give me everything I need. He is my mentor. I can look to Him. He has set an example before me. I can follow His footsteps. I can walk after Him. I can pursue Him. And He will teach me everything that I need to know through the power of His Word and by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He is my disciplinarian. He's not only my disciplinarian, but He sent Himself in person as the, in the person of the Holy Spirit. He sends that to me not only to be my comforter, not only to be my advocate, but the Holy Spirit is my guide. He is teaching me. When I go astray, I feel Him nudging me back into the right path. When I have wandered too far away from the shore, I hear, I hear His voice calling me back into safety. You see, He is my disciplinarian. But I also I understand Jesus as my protector because there's probably times that I'm not even aware of that when all has been bad and, and everything has been going wrong and maybe it's self-inflicted but there's angels of the Lord that are encamped all around me that are watching out over me that are protecting me and they're caring for me that's the kind of daddy I have in Jesus that is the example that he has set forth he is not only my my provider my mentor my disciplinarian and my protector but Jesus is also my spiritual leader because he is teaching me he says that if I would come and I would be his disciple that he would teach me all things and as he as I follow him and he knows sometimes I let, let me tell you something I don't always like what Jesus tells me now if you do bless your heart I don't always like what Jesus tells me because sometimes he tell what what I find him telling me is not what I want to do. I find sometimes what he's telling me is not how I want to act. I find what he tells sometimes what he tells me is not convenient for my life at the moment. Sometimes I find that what he speaks in speaks over my life and into my life may mess with my plans. But he's my spiritual leader. And and I have to trust him. You know, I, I, I've told, I, I'm sure I've told this before. In fact, I think I told it not too long ago. There's a lot of things, again, my dad's gone on and, 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 uh, and, and, you know, my dad, my dad was a hardworking man. My dad worked a lot of hours. I mentioned that early on in this message. But understand with me this morning that, that dad and I had a great relationship yet, but yet we weren't you know, my dad wasn't, he wasn't the dad to take me hunting and fishing and, and go out to the park and play ball. My dad thought playing ball was foolish, to be honest with you. When he, you know, that's, that's foolish. Why you go out and chase some, he, he used to describe football like this. He said, why in the world you, he said, do you want two dozen big old fat boys out there chasing a dead pig when there's work to be done? My dad was a worker. He was out of that generation, born in 1930. And, and, and my dad taught me what life was about was working. 
It was about plowing taters and hoeing corn and cutting corn and belling hay and, and whatever else to be, and slopping the hogs, whatever else needed to be done. But, but you know what? My dad taught me so much in life. Yes, there, there's some things that, you know, there wasn't anything wrong with it. This wasn't my dad's gift. But you know what? When it comes down to this and I look back at my dad's life, I looked at so much, how much I learned from him. And I did learn sometimes from me, he, he would give me Lessons in life, lessons of wisdom, and and uh, uh, Spirit FM Radio did this 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 past week. If you listen to Spirit FM, they asked people to call in and tell lessons that you learned from my dad. I had my phone in my hand and I started to call it, and and I didn't. Uh, I wish I had in a way, but I, there was. I thought here's one thing I could call and tell them about my dad. A lesson my dad taught me: never co-sign for anybody. My dad taught when, when when my first wife and I, when my late wife and I got married, my uh, Zach's mother and I got married. We, you know, that was that was in the uh, you know the the Jimmy Carter era, and interest rates were about seventeen, eighteen percent. And, and and we were getting ready to get married, and we couldn't afford a house because they wanted twenty twenty percent down payment. We couldn't afford a house, so we did we did the good Appalachian America thing, and we went and bought us a mobile home. We went to buy. We came over here to Andy Clark Mobile Home Sales. We went to Abington. We went everywhere looking for a mobile home, and every place we went to, they said, "You need a cosigner." I never borrowed money before in my life. Everything I'd always, I bought my car. I had worked hard. I'd saved up money and I paid for my car when I bought it. I, you know, I, uh, when I bought, bought my, my wife's engagement ring, I'd worked hard. I'd saved up money. I paid for it. I didn't have any credit per se. He said, you gotta have a cosigner. I went to my dad. I said, hey dad, we need a cosigner to buy us a mobile home. I said, would you sign the would you be willing to sign the note for us? He said, nope. He said, son, I'm telling you. He said, you don't co-sign for anybody. Now, you may disagree with my dad's theology. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I've never co-signed for anybody. But he taught me that. And as harsh as it seemed when he looked at me and said, nope. I ain't signing for you. I thought it harsh and I thought it unlovingly. But you know what? It was a lesson that my dad taught me. It was a hard lesson. It was tough lesson. And it seemed like, well, he really don't love me. And but sometimes, sometimes, sometimes God comes to that place in our life where he's teaching us lessons. And we think he don't love us. We think they're hard. We think they're difficult. But let me tell you, when you get on down the road about, you know, about 40 years later and you turn around and you look back at the situation, I realize what my dad did for me, it may have been tough love, but it was love nonetheless. And he was teaching me a lesson. He was learning me some things in life. And God teaches us some tough lessons sometimes in life. And as we turn around and we look back at those tough lessons in life, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. But to the fact, it means to the contrary, it means I love you so much that I'll even love you in a tough way. See, God loves us. We, we think about Him loving so much that He was willing to die for us. But He loves us so much sometimes that He's willing to practice tough love on us. 
And dads, sometimes you've got to, either you have or you will have to practice a little bit of tough love sometimes. And tough love hurts. It hurts you and it may even hurt your kids. But nonetheless, the love of a father is unique in its own existence. And that love of a father is no less love than the love of a mother. Different in its administration. Different in how it manifests itself. But nonetheless, it's still love. I want to go back. I want to read the scripture to you one more time. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You and I are what Jesus just called evil. We're evil. We're fleshly. We're carnal. As much as we know how to give good things to our kids, even when our good things maybe say no, sometimes the good things will be, well, you don't always get what you want. God says, how much more do I know how to give good things to you? We've got a good, good father. We've got good fathers in this room this morning. There's some watching my life. But God knows so much more of how to be a dad than we do. And if you're in this room this morning and you're struggling to know how to be a dad, the best way to learn how to be a dad is go to the best dad ever. And the best dad in there ever is Jesus. Even though he never was an earthly dad. He never bore children. But yet, he's the father of many nations. Men, we need to dig deep in the word more than ever before. And let God rule and reign in our lives. I just want to ask you to bow your heads for a minute. As you bow your heads and you close your eyes. I want to ask a question of you this morning. If you're in this room or maybe you're watching by live stream and of course I can't see your hand if you're watching by live stream but I want to ask you a question. If you're in this room whether you're a dad or a mom but you have a need of a heavenly father you have the need you've never trusted the Lord to come alongside of you teach you, to nurture you, and to lead you along the way. If you never trusted the Lord as your Savior, or if you've grown cold and indifferent, you're like that young man we call the prodigal, and you've wandered far away from the home, far away from the house, so to speak. If that's you and you're in this room this morning, or if you're watching by Facebook Live and and I'm speaking to you, you know where you are, right, in your circumstances. But I want you to slip up your hand in this room right now. Say, pray for me, Pastor. Anybody in this room? Thank you. Is there any others?
I'd like for you to do right now. I'd like for us all to stand to our feet. You know, I read this story of the prodigal. When that, when that young man, the Bible says, came to his senses and he came back home. When he came back home, he came to the father's house. He said, I just want to be a slave. I just want to be a servant in your house, Dad. But Dad took him in. We, we don't read a whole lot about what happened after the party ended. You know, they killed the calf. They put the robe on him. They put the, the ring on his finger. We don't read a whole lot about what happened after that young man got back home. But I just want to use my imagination if you'll allow me to this morning. I have a feeling when that son got back home that he just didn't get after the party got his belly full and, and got him some clean clothes on that he went out and hit the road again. I, I don't I can't imagine that happening at all. But what I do imagine it happening is that father investing time in that son. What I do imagine is that that father teaching that son training him, catching him up on all that he missed while he was away and probably all that he had missed missed because he was hard-headed perhaps even from his very most extreme youth. I imagine that, 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 that that son was so delighted to be in the presence of his father who could help him and teach him and mentor him and bless him that he gave his dad his undivided attention. That's what I imagine. And this morning, what I want to ask you to do in this room, I just want you to give the Heavenly Father. Not just, hey, we're in five more minutes, we're going to be out of here. Ten more minutes to most. We're going to be out of this room. But what I'm saying is, I want you to just put yourself in that place where you say, okay, Dad, Dad, I'm going to give you my attention the rest of my days. I want to catch up on everything I've missed out on. I want to catch up on everything that that has been absent in my life. I want to catch up. I want you to teach me, Dad. That's what I want us to do right now. As you're standing to your feet, I want you to lift your hands to heaven and I want you to begin to pray. And I want you to begin to, to ask God. I want you to begin to commit yourself to God. God, I'm going to come into your presence. I want to be taught by you. I want to be led by you. I want to be disciplined by Yes, disciplined, Lord. I want to be disciplined by you. I want you to teach me your ways. I want you to teach me your doings. Can you join me right now, right where you're standing? Father, as I come to you, I dedicate my life to you. I surrender myself to you, Lord. I want your presence in my life. I want you to move. I want you to minister. I want you to meet the needs of my life, Lord. I want you to touch and bless and heal, Lord. Let everything, Lord God, in my life come into alignment with you. God, teach me your ways. Teach me your doings. Teach, Lord, let me take on the mind of Christ. Lord, let me have your mind. Let me let me know your heart, Lord. I want to become so close to you, Lord, that I think like you, I act like you, I talk like you, I walk like you. Lord, today, I don't want it just in this moment. I, pr- I don't pray this prayer for this moment this of time that I'm in right now. But God, I pray this prayer that, Lord, that may, I may grow in you. And, and 
today, tomorrow if you're tarry, you're coming. The next day, the next day, into these next months, the next years if you tarry, you're coming. God, I want to be under your wing. I want you to be my heavenly father. Lord, I want you to be my heavenly father. I want you to teach me and show me and guide me in all paths and all truths. Lord, I just worship you and I praise you today, Lord. Because, Lord, I need you. I need you, Lord. The world needs fathers more than it has ever before. But, Lord, I need you as a heavenly father more than I ever have before. And I ask that you mold my life and shape me in Jesus' name. Amen. And I mean. Does anybody have a special prayer need this morning? That we could anoint you.